100 million shots by the end of our first 100 days in office. Some wonder if we're reaching too far for that goal. Is it achievable? It's a legitimate question to ask. Let me be clear. I'm convinced we can get it done. And this is a time to set big goals, to pursue them with courage and conviction, because the health of the nation is literally at stake. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Insider Insights, 100 Days of Biden, a podcast from Buchanan, Ingersoll and Rooney. I'm your host today, Barbara Binzak Blumenfeld, a life sciences shareholder at Buchanan in Washington, DC, with a specific focus on FDA regulation. With any new president, the first 100 days in office can tell us a lot about what's to come over the next four years. President Joe Biden will be no different. Each week on this podcast, Buchanan's government relations professionals and attorneys will offer our insights on the legislative and regulatory changes that will impact your business. Today, I'm lucky to have with me my colleague, Liz Westbrook, a senior advisor from our federal government relations team in Washington, D.C. Liz focuses much of her work on analyzing prospective laws and regulations to keep her clients not only informed, but to ensure they have a seat at the rulemaking table. Welcome, Liz. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. On our first episode, we're going to focus our discussion on a topic everyone's been talking about, life sciences and specifically COVID-19. During the election cycle and after he was elected as our 46th president, Joe Biden talked at length about his goals to deliver the COVID-19 vaccine to as many Americans as possible. Under former President Trump, there were some operational delays in getting vaccine to the population, but already we've seen some shifts in the way the vaccines have been distributed. Changes are sure to continue as President Biden's team takes over. So Liz, let's start off with an easy question, but that likely has a complicated answer. What can we expect the Biden administration to do over the next three months regarding the COVID-19 vaccine that's different from how the Trump administration approached the pandemic? Well, a lot has been made about Biden's promise to get 100 million doses into uh, the public's arms in the first 100 days. Um, There are a lot of questions about whether that's a a floor or uh, a ceiling in terms of vaccine distribution. And the Biden administration has said they didn't have a lot of visibility into how the vaccine was being distributed before taking the reins last week. So, uh, you know, they didn't have much of a running start to get to get going here. And 100 days is is not a long time, but that's their main focus for the next three months. And that's going to include work to create mass vaccine clinics. Uh, more direct vaccine access for um, groups like FQHCs, that's federally qualified health centers, setting up clinics in stadiums and using that sort of infrastructure that's uh, that's out there and also getting vaccines to rural and other communities that are harder to reach. Um, Biden's also going to use the DPA, that's the Defense Production Act for vaccine supplies. Uh, And we're seeing the use of executive orders to require masks, to direct support to schools um, for worker protections, for for national testing and uh, contact tracing. And then uh, we're also hearing about a vaccine education campaign, which makes a lot of sense as we hear uh, more and more about um, anti-vaccine pushes and 
just, you know, general lack of trust based on how understandably quickly the, the public thinks that this was developed. You know, the the normal clinical trial process was followed, but it's the fastest that we've ever seen vaccines develop. So um, that education campaign, I think, is going to be critical. And I think just as somebody who has worked um, worked with the Trump administration on um, COVID efforts and now is pivoting to work with the new administration on COVID efforts, what I would expect is um, a more concentrated, coordinated effort from the federal government. Uh, we saw a lot get left to states to kind of figure out for themselves over the last year. Um, and we saw some infighting between the FDA, HHS, CDC. And I think now that we've got... Um, under Dr. David Kessler, we've got a uh, a real COVID task force. I think they're going to really uh, take the reins, direct things, and hopefully that'll be more of a standard, uniform process for all the states. And then there's the question of legislation. You know, we've, we've heard from the Biden administration and from the new incoming Senate, uh, which is controlled by the Democrats now, that they want to push out another COVID relief bill. They want to bump up the you know six hundred dollars to two thousand dollars to um, citizens. So the question now, I think, is whether having both the House and the Senate, whether Democrats want to move quickly on something or whether they want to um, get Republicans involved and uh, have maybe a broader, broader bill. But I think look out for some more legislation. Great. Thanks. Yeah, I knew that was going to be a complicated answer and a long answer to an easy question. Um, Certainly in my world with FDA regulation, it's been a very busy year. And to your point about education, I think one thing that I see we'll have to keep our eyes on is the ongoing discussion about making vaccinations mandatory for employees. And two Buchanan colleagues and I published a client advisory on this issue back in December. And I'm sure that this is going to be an upcoming topic that we will be continuing to focus on in the future. So obviously, the FDA has been extremely focused on COVID-19 over the past 10 or so months, but it's still important for us to help our life sciences clients think past COVID-19 and other long-term issues as well. For example, we know that drug price transparency is one of the few things that both the Trump and Biden administrations have agreed on to an extent. So, Liz, what, if any, changes can pharmaceutical companies expect under a Biden presidency? And were there any proposals or changes under the Trump administration that you think Biden may actually keep in place? Trump, like with so many other policy areas, tried to address some of the drug pricing issues with executive orders. I think most recently uh, and most high profile has been his most favored nation order, Um, It's a seven-year program uh, that would implement a new payment model. It was set to start January 1st of 2021. Uh, It would basically, going forward, the Medicare program would only pay an adjusted price based on 19 countries in the OECD, and it would apply to the 50 highest-cost drugs administered by physicians, hospitals, other providers. That, That list would keep getting longer, so drugs that moved into the top 50 most expensive would be added to the list, but the drugs that were in that initial top 50 would never fall out of the list. Uh, currently, though, that executive order is enjoined through several lawsuits, um, both uh, out of a federal court in Maryland and out of California, uh, from taking effect. And so I would guess that Biden will wait out those legal challenges. Um, they were gr- brought by groups like the American Hospital Association and Pharma. Um, and it's kind of win-win for him, right, because he, it's, it's not his policy 
so he can let it play out in the courts. But, you know, if it gets to take effect and if it turns out to, to be effective, um, you know, we could let that ride. And if it takes effect and it's not uh, not good policy, then it, it wasn't his executive order in the first place. Um, there's also a rule uh, to allow importation from Canada. It's also under review in the courts. Again, I would expect to let the legal process play out there. And then there's um, the 340B program has also been caught up in the courts for the last few years. That's a program that allows uh, or that requires drug manufacturers to provide outpatient drugs to eligible healthcare organizations and providers at uh, significantly reduced prices. And so Dems have been more favorable towards that program than Republicans in the past. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But we have seen um, incoming HHS Secretary Becerra actually be pretty supportive of that in the past. Uh, and then while you know those Trump-era proposals play out, uh, Biden ran on allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices. So I think that would be the biggest biggest change to see him work on um, once we get past some of the COVID things. I think that's that's something he'll turn his attention to. I'm going to make it stronger with your help to lower premiums and deductibles and out-of-pocket expenses. We'll bring down drug prices by almost two-thirds by taking steps such as allowing Medicare to negotiate with the pharmaceutical companies or making billions of dollars that will lower prices drastically. Following up on all of those issues that you raised, how do you think price capping and drug importation, among other things, are going to affect competition and growth in the industry in 2021 and even beyond? Well, that's the big question, right? Um, Republicans like to say that this will stifle advances in research and in uh, American competition. Uh, and they pointed on the on the Medicare negotiation piece. There's been a lot of mixed research on how great the savings would really be from allowing uh, Medicare to negotiate drug prices, which we've never we haven't seen it in action. And we do see the government able to negotiate prices in other programs like Tricare for our veterans. Democrats uh, are more likely to sort of take consumer sides than the drug companies. They point to tactics like pay for delay. Um, they love to make examples of bad actors. We always counsel our clients that they don't want to be the next drug company to uh, be made an example of. But I think that this is going to be a legislative battle once we get past COVID. And um, you know, Democrats have a very slim majority. It's a, a tie, really, that has to be broken by Vice President Harris. So it's, it's hard to say, but I think we're going to see those, those battle lines that we've seen for years play out. Absolutely. That's, a, that's a, a lot to stay focused on. So thanks for that important insight. I'd like to just shift topics. Um, the question becomes, when the Trump administration came into office four years ago, it really made some big splashes with the names chosen to lead various U.S. regulatory bodies. So what can we expect from the Biden administration in this respect? And can you just go through who has been nominated so far for key HHS positions and which ones remain open. And then finally, if you could touch on how these nominees might, if they're confirmed, actually shape President Biden's agenda. Well, I think a lot has been made of the appointment of Javier Becerra to HHS secretary, uh, in particular, the fact that he's not a doctor. So there were, I think, a lot of folks who haven't worked as much with Congress who were surprised by that nomination. Um, but if you go back, uh, you know, over a decade now, Becerra was one of the champions on the Hill when he was in the House um, leading the efforts to uh, create the ACA. 
And Biden, you know, while the Democratic Party was figuring out their primaries for the presidential, uh, Biden was somebody who ran on strengthening the ACA, where others were running on Medicare for all and the public option and that sort of thing. So I'm not surprised that he chose Becerra, this person who helped to construct and pass the ACA as his HHS secretary. I do think, though, given that he is not a doctor, it's going to be really critical and interesting to see who he chooses as his deputies. Um, We are still waiting on CMS and FDA appointments, which are obviously going to be a big deal. CMS in particular is interesting. Uh, We saw Seema Verma as the CMS administrator under Trump, and she had a Medicaid background. And in fact, in the last um, month or so, has made some changes to Medicaid um, programs uh, and contracts under the ACA that are going to make it harder for Biden and whoever he brings in in CMS to roll back some of the things that they probably don't like about the um, Trump's approach to Medicaid and the ACA. So uh, we'll, you know, we'll see if who he brings in for CMS is Medicaid or Medicare focused um, and who comes in for FDA. Um, we are in the process of uh, renegotiating user fee agreements, um, generic and medical device and all those, all those UFAs as they call them. So that FDA appointment I think will be really important. And then uh, not on life sciences, but on the health IT side, interestingly, uh, another appointment is the head of ONC, uh, Mickey Tripathi. He is also not a physician, but he has a long history in working in the health IT space. So it's uh, interesting. I think some real, real policy focused uh, heavy hitters coming in. Yeah, that's sure what it sounds like. Well, thank you. I have so many more questions for you, but I'm actually going to just wrap up with this one. So for a number of reasons, the Department of Health and Human Services has been fairly active as the Trump administration wound down. So can you provide some examples of actions that HHS has taken since the election and some other upcoming changes that we might expect to see under President Biden? Uh, so I think what that one I just mentioned um, with Seema Verma and CMS is is a big one where we they changed the way they do contracts with Medicaid. So we saw a lot of Medicaid work requirement contracts go out through the states over the last few years, and um, right now Biden can't really do much to touch those as they kind of cemented those for the next nine months right before Administrator Verma left. Um, HHS has also been rolling out. Tons of regulations around um, HIPAA, around prior authorization for payers and providers, um, stuff in the health IT space. Uh, Right now, there is a regulatory freeze uh, that Chief of Staff Ron Klain put in place uh, while the Biden administration reviews a lot of those. But then some of those are also, um, they, they might come under some legal scrutiny. I'm thinking in particular of the prior authorization rule which came out, I believe the notice of proposed rulemaking was December 10th or 11th. uh, And then people were given two or three weeks to submit comments and then less than a week (laughs) before the final rule came out. So um, that's a rule that really impacts payers and uh, groups like AHIP that represent the payers are um, not pleased with how, how quickly that moved. So I think while there's a regulatory freeze, we might also see some questions around um, the APA and how how those rules were rolled out so quickly. Yeah, clearly there's so much that's on the table right now that's going to take us far beyond President Biden's first 100 days. But Liz, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into Insider Insights, 100 Days of Biden. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast to get the latest updates from Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney's roster of attorneys and government relations professionals. 
Over the next three months, we will share everything we know about the new Biden administration's impact on industries across the spectrum during his first 100 days in office. Until next time, I'm Barbara Binzek Blumenfeld with Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rudy. Thank you for listening.